Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, as I always say, is much more than a daily report. It's really a knowledge platform um, from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics. Yes, through these reports, uh, but also these podcasts webinars, and hopefully in the future, live events. And along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, also a professor at the Fashion Institute of Technology, we welcome you to our conversation on the topic of mid-tier specialty retail. Gone, baby, gone. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, Shelley. Um, Similar to how we are seeing this hollowing out in our economy of the mid-tier income families. We're also seeing how the mid-tier specialty retailers are taking a big hit, especially fashion apparel brands. Uh, Luxury is fine. The wealthy march onward. Um, So, so, you know, we are not talking about LVMH, uh, Laura Piana, or Prada. In fact, uh, J.P. Morgan said uh, that the demand for luxury goods remains high. And LVMH, by the way, just posted a 17% year-over-year increase for Q1. And Prada just posted 22% increase for Q1. Hermes up 23%. So, my friends, luxury is just fine. According to Bain and Company, uh, the Lux market uh, will continue to expand in the next year, and and quite frankly, <clears throat> for the rest of the decade. Yes, luxury is growing, and you know what yeah. else is growing, Robin? Resale luxury. Oh yeah, yep. Which there, that's expected to grow twenty five percent by twenty twenty six to over fifty billion dollars worldwide. That's the resale luxury market. So the interesting thing about luxury doing well is you have this kind of hollowing out of the middle class and lower income families are really struggling with the high cost of living. What we're seeing is this trend of quiet luxury. So higher income consumers who are buying luxury items, but instead of opting for the loud labels, screaming LV, Gucci, Prada, consumers are really looking for subtle luxury items. So well-made products from the finest raw materials, handcrafted, but the average onlooker may not see it as luxury. So Vogue Vogue defined this quiet luxury as less austere than minimalism, but more polished than norm core. So high quality, no visible logos, fashion quiet. So kind of like those who know, know. And our one of our writers, Jasmine Glasheen, just wrote an article about quiet luxury, uh, which is really interesting. So what during the times when many income levels are kind of struggling to pay the bills and the housing costs, it would be insensitive for higher income consumers to kind of flaunt their luxury fashion. So I think quiet luxury is, is a sign of the times. Yeah. I think you're right, Shelley. And, um, you know, the, the high end will continue to grow, including, as you say, quiet luxury. 
Uh, but it's the middle tier fashion specialty stores that are really struggling. And partly to blame, by the way, another way of putting it is what I view as the democratization of fashion with uh, the proliferation of the internet and many fashion startup companies, access to fashion is at all levels. It, it is truly ubiquitous. And along with that, um, you know, the day of the hot brand, so to speak, that every every young consumer must have. Yeah. Brands, <laughs> brands like <laughs> Supreme um, with consumers lining up at the doors, waiting for hours to get in. Come on. Just crazy. My, I know. In my opinion, though, it's just a matter of time when hot will be not. Everyone used to uh, want the hot brand of the moment. But in the next minute, they saw the logo on another person and the hot brand goes cold. <laughs> and of course, um, you know, this just gets exacerbated when giant companies acquire these hot brands, uh, knowing their resources can scale uh, these must-have brands, <clears throat> which they do. And all of a sudden, the must-have brand is no longer scarce or special. And we have what uh, some call <laughs> pump and dump brands, like Michael Kors, who have pumped millions of dollars marketing the brand, <clears throat> saturated the market, all distribution channels, essentially making the brand accessible in all channels. Um, it really eliminated the scarcity factor. And unless, uh, of course, you are Zara, who has mastered the idea of scarcity, and we we will get to that in a minute. But the rise of athleisure wear brands has also taken away market share from fashion specialty stores. The Gap, which is still the largest U.S. fashion specialty store retailer, which is hard to believe, um, is down 6% for the first quarter of 2023. And oh my God, that brand was so hot back in the day. <laughs> you know, it was Shelly. And, and I know, I remember. Yeah, and, and but it has been so not hot for at least uh, decades and, and they continue to struggle along. Victoria's Secret, for example, dropped 5% in Q1 with the physical stores down 15%. Mm. But yeah, and you, you talk about once hot, they are now in turnaround mode and the jury is still out on its future. You know, the, the younger brands, though, seem to be doing um, slightly better. <clears throat> American Eagle Outfitters for Q1 was up 2%, you know, not massive, but it was up. A&F, which is on a massive turnaround, is up 3% including all five of its brands. Um, you know, a lot of this is new CEO, Fran Horowitz, I believe is the one to watch. Having, I agree. Yeah, don't you? Yeah. And yeah, she, she was successful. She successfully uh, grew up under the mentorship of, of Icon, former CEO of Bloomingdale's Michael Gould, who you know well also. Um, yeah. Uh, tapestry, which includes Coach Kate Spade, Stuart, uh, Stuart Weitzman, is up 5%. Uh, 
primarily driven by international markets. Uh, for example, North America is up only 1%. Urban Outfitters up 6%. So, but Shelley, all of these numbers, of course, do not take into account the consumer price index for apparel, which for the rolling 12 months is up over 4% for women's apparel. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point, Robin. Um, I, I also think in addition to the reasons that you just cited, I think there's four other major contributors to the possible demise of mid-tier fashion specialty stores. Okay. One, one is the pandemic. The second is the discount store growth in fashion. Third is fast fashion, which is hotter than ever. And we'll talk about that in a second and a very overstored U.S. market. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> let me just start talking with the pandemic. So you remember, Robin, during the shutdown of non-essential retailers, shoppers could only buy fashion items from discount stores or online. Yep. And, and even when the stores reopened for the remaining of 2020 and well into 2021, you know, consumers were still limiting the amount of stores and shopping trips they were visiting. So mm -hmm. while shoppers were picking up milk at Target, they would also pick up a pair of sweats or shorts. So they became trained to this kind of one-stop shop to minimize exposure to public spaces. Well, fast forward to 2022 and this year, the consumers that started shopping fashion at Walmart and Target, guess what? They kept up that behavior. There, yeah. has, to be, there, has, there has to be a compelling reason to make these shoppers go somewhere else. Boy, definitely, Shelly, spot on. And, and meanwhile, Walmart and Target have both upped their game in fashion. Target has always been a, a great with creating, you know, collaborations or private label fashion. And Walmart, as you well know, since hiring Denise and Candela as EVP apparel and private brands has done an about face with fashion. Um, Walmart revenue is up 7.6%, with operating income up 17.3%, and e-commerce up 26% globally. You know, the yeah, isn't it? And, and of course, the bottom line is CEO Doug McMillan has focused on growing profits faster than sales. And with that, plans to focus on higher-end apparel makes sense. Walmart continues to announce partnerships for higher and higher margin apparel with celebrities and designers both. You know, Incandela said in the most recent investors meeting that the go forward strategy is to democratize fashion, adding that Walmart's research showed that 80% of its customers we're purchasing higher priced clothes elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Denise's uh, goal is to convert uh, the company's core, the, the, the price conscious shoppers into style conscious shoppers. And Candela said it is a huge transformation on the apparel side. And boy, I would agree with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and their Walmart's big transformation really did start when it acquired um, 
jet.com or better yet acquiring then CEO Mark Lorre in 2016, who gave the world's largest retailer a short learning curve on digital integration. Then enter Denise and Candela in 2017, and you have built a powerful strategy to change the trajectory of fashion as we know it. Target and Brian, uh, and Brian Cornell have done a masterful job with designer collaborations and delivering great fashion at budget prices. They recently announced new partnerships with Agua Bendita, Faye Noel and Rodi. I have a hard time pronouncing these new names. And, but, but, but listen to this. Target has increased its revenue in apparel and accessories by 32% since 2017. The interesting part about the growth of fashion by these giant guys is how Amazon could not figure it out. They have completely missed it. Amazon, known for its sophisticated algorithms and data collection, could not figure out what Sheehan has mastered. And I know you will talk about fast fashion in a second, Shelley, but it is baffling why Amazon could not quite make fashion work. Maybe they should have hired Denise. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Bingo. And that's the point that I've been saying for some time. Amazon has no experience, experienced fashion leaders in the senior NC suites. So there you go. Well, Robin, that's a great segue into our next point, which is about how these fast fashion companies are taking away the share from small store fashion specialty retailers. And you know what? We kept hearing how fast, how this fast fashion is going to slow down and consumers are going to start buying less. And I mean, I've said it myself, so I'm not being critical, but it just goes to show that what the consumer says is not always what they do. Listen to some of these numbers, Robin. Zara is up 13%. They do about 35 billion in sales. Wow. But the more, here's the more impressive number. For Q1, they had a 54% increase in profits. No, really. I missed yeah. that. So yeah, if you, you mentioned scarcity, well, they have yeah. truly figured it out. They sell most things at regular price, and they continue to hone in on using analytics to better predict best sellers. So these profits of theirs continue to grow. They are constantly hitting it right in terms of trends, and they plan to open 30 more stores in the next two years in the U.S. market. You have H&M. Q1 for H&M, sales up 12%. They do about yeah. $22 billion. Wow. And Shein you just mentioned Shein. Um, by the way, Shein is on Crunchbase's list of most valuable startups in the world. Wow, really? And I've heard numbers where it's being valued anywhere between 64 and $100 billion. Unbelievable. Yet this retailer, this fast fashion retailer, does not have one physical store. You're right. They were up 91% last year. So when you compare 2022 to 2021, they're up 91%. And the company generated more than $30 billion in 2022. 
They have 75 million active shoppers and was wow. downloaded. Their app was <sighs> downloaded 200 million times, making it the most downloaded shopping app in 2022. Two million times. So yeah, I would say that fast fashion is ripping the carpet right out from under these other, especially mid-tier brands. Well, let me tell you something, Shelly. The last point here is, I'm tired of saying this, the <laughs> fact that when you look at the U.S. market and the amount of retail space per capita, the U.S. is far beyond any other country at 23.5 square feet for every man, woman, and child in the U.S., you know, followed by Canada at 16.8 uh, square feet, and Australia at 11, then it drops to the U.K. at like 4.6. We are so overstored and have been for decades. And uh, people can't say it enough, but it, it doesn't seem to cause any uh, deletion of the excess. Obviously, it makes it a share wars, uh, share of market competition. And therefore, pricing, especially for the smaller specialty chains, going up against these juggernauts like Walmart, Target, Zara, H&M, and Shein, they simply cannot compete. Yeah, I mean, you have to really compete on something other than price and sameness. So it's yeah. got to be store design, experience, unique products, maybe even a trained sta uh, staff. So yep. it becomes really, you know, building a relationship through digital means, relevant marketing, and the human touch. It's really the only way to survive if you're a fashion specialty retailer. And Robin, we didn't even touch upon off price, which is another segment that's taking away market from that middle tier. Yes, Shelley, and this trend is not going away. And the reason I believe this is for all the reasons we just talked about and underlying all of it, I believe there is a big cultural shift driven by the Gen Zs. They are more individualistic and don't need to or want to be defined by the same logo on their apparel as their close friends are wearing. Well, maybe fast fashion and athleisure wear are the new mid-tier specialty store sector. Uh, honestly, Robin, I cannot tell you how many times on a daily basis I see women wearing Lululemon, all in motion, Nike. So they're wearing these workout clothes everywhere, at yeah. the airport, in the city, you know, doing everything in these clothes, including working out. I was at the airport traveling on business trip the other day, and there were dozens of women traveling in workout pants. <laughs> Seriously, I, I feel old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, fast fashion apparel for re return to work and entertainment and athleisure wear for everything else. Well, as you know, Shelly, I'm not a fashionista. Uh, so I will leave that to your season, sharp eye on fashion. And if you say so, I'll bet on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, for our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therobinreport.com. And please follow us on social media. Link in with us for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I want to thank everybody again as well. And um, 
you know, as I say every week, if any of you have some ideas that you and concepts that uh, you would like Shelly and I to cover, uh, just send me an email. Um, I'm at robin at therobinreport.com. And thanks very much again for joining us.